Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yankees, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Today, I'm going to be discussing the trifecta of hurt. Oh, boy. What a tough 48 hours. The Giants were mauled in Philadelphia Saturday night in the division series. Rutgers basketball was trounced at Michigan State on Thursday night. And the Rangers lost soundly to Boston also on Thursday night. So let's go ahead and get started. Boy, this was a tough 48 hours for this podcaster as far as my sports teams. And it was a trifecta of hurt, let me tell you. Three of my teams lost badly and in a big way. And boy, it was a tough, tough 48 hours here. So we're going to go ahead and start talking about the Giants, who on Saturday night were trounced by the Eagles, losing in Philly 38-7 to in yet another Giants debacle against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles own the Giants. They have owned the Giants, and they probably will for the foreseeable future. I don't really remember a time when the Giants seemingly won any kind of significant games against the Eagles. Even when the Giants were really, really good and the Eagles were not, we would lose games to the Eagles. I mean, basically, you know, they're our daddy at this point. It's ridiculous. The, the Eagles own the Giants. They've beaten us three times this year. With this win, this is now 10 consecutive wins in Philadelphia in a row for the Eagles over the Giants. So we haven't won in Philadelphia in a friggin' decade. A decade. This is how pathetic we are against the Eagles. We know in the past all the problems, right? Every bounce goes the Eagles' way. Every break, every ridiculous play. It's just something where, you know, some teams seem to own other teams, right? Rutgers basketball somehow continues to beat Purdue year for year. Purdue is a much better team. They're better than every other team in the Big Ten, Purdue. But they can't beat Rutgers basketball for whatever reason, right? And I'm not saying this is equivalent to the Giants because the Eagles are a much, much, much better team than the Giants. But in all years, regardless of how good the Giants are in a given year or the Eagles are in a given year, the Eagles beat the Giants and it happened again Saturday night. Ten straight games in Philly and literally I cannot remember the last time the Giants beat the Eagles anywhere. I probably should have looked it up before this podcast, but I know it's been long enough that I cannot actually remember the game. That's how ridiculous it is. It's funny, too, because before this game, after a very good game in Minnesota, where I expected the Giants to do well and probably win, uh, you know, the next up on the schedule was the Eagles. And you see all the writers and you saw all the talking heads on TV talking about how the Giants can win this game what a joke. I, I, I was reading and watching Michael Kay, the ESPN idiots, um, reading articles in the New York Post and from the Star-Ledger idiots. All the morons talk like, I don't know, like they've never seen a Giants-Eagles game before. And as I'm reading and listening to these people, I'm thinking, have you really never seen Giants-Eagles? What are you thinking? When is the last time what you're saying is going to happen? actually happened to the Giants, you know, when they played the Eagles. I love it. Oh, yeah, their defense is going to keep it closed. This is what's going to happen. Long as there's no turnovers and this. And I'm thinking, Giants-Eagles, are you guys kidding me? I mean, it was not even a month ago where the Eagles scored almost 50 points in the Meadowlands against the Giants in a runaway victory, right? 50, um, 48 to something, 48 to 20, 
to something, some ridiculous amount. And they weren't even, you know, they kind of eased off at the end. 48 points in the Meadowlands. And I'm thinking, what? Why would you think this would be significantly different than that? Anyway, you know, regardless of what a lot of the know-it-alls thought. And again, a lot of this has to do with recency bias. You think, oh, I watched the Giants last week. They played very well against Minnesota. Therefore, they will play really well this week as if Minnesota is the same team as the Eagles, you know, and and as if we don't have this long history with the Eagles. And it's it's unfortunate and it's something we're going to have to shake. And we're certainly going to need to have better teams than we have this year in order to break this sort of Eagles curse because it's it's laughable at this point. And the Giants on Saturday night were bad right from the very beginning. I mean, the only way that this was even going to be a close game is if, you know, we got off to a good start and played well. And the defense was absolutely putrid right from the start. The defense was just awful, like a dumpster fire. The first possession, 75 yards straight down the field for a touchdown for the Eagles. And they barely didn't even have to break a sweat to get in the end. it was ridiculously easy. I mean, it's just fucking ridiculous. And by the way, it's the second week in a row that that happened, right? So the Giants have played now two playoff games this year. And in both playoff games, the opposing team got the ball first, drove 75 yards down the field, and scored a touchdown less than four minutes into each playoff game. That is just terrible preparation by Wink Martindale. I don't know what this vaunted Martindale defense is doing, but it blows balls currently. And it is not very good, and it is overrated. Um, And honestly, it was overrated for much of the season. Now, the scoring part of the defense has been good. In other words, the points they give up in the season, whatever they're doing, it it is helping. They're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to points. And that's, at the end of the day, all that really matters. But, you know, when you're putting your team behind in big playoff games, you know, right from the start, and then your inability to get to the passer, your inability to make any semblance of stopping the run, it was just so easy. It wasn't the fact that, we were blown out and blown out early. It was the fact that it didn't even look hard for the Eagles. There were wide open receivers. Their running backs were running for 15, 20, 25 yards at a clip. Like it was a joke. Like it wasn't even competitive. And that's what makes me laugh when, when thinking about, you know, some of the prognostications before the game, because this isn't that different from how the defense has played all year. We've had our moments, right? But, you know, even against, Minnesota, right? We gave up, what, 24 points this time in, you know, 30 or 31 uh, a couple weeks ago to Minnesota. It's not like this is a great defense. It certainly has its moments, but we need a lot, a lot on defense. We need, in my mind, three or four linebackers. Like, we don't have any significant linebackers at all. We certainly need additional help in the secondary. Um, We need another pass rusher because we didn't get, you know, get near hurt. One time we got near hurts, right? We had kind of a sack fumble that of course we didn't recover, but this defense is overrated. It's, it's rated correctly when it comes to points given up. It's way overrated when it comes up, comes to giving up yardage and actually getting huge stops when, when necessary. And it was a joke on Saturday night. The defense was a laughing stock. Um, Jones, was bad all night. Um, I'm not going to kill him too much because he's had kind of a recent resurgence. And let's face it, this is Philly. So anything you want to say about how anyone played against this particular team, you know, is always, you can chalk some of it up to the curse, but let's face it. The Eagles defensive line is tremendous. They had 
five sacks on Jones, probably 12 million more, you know, pressures. But even so, it was another one of those where, you know, even when he had time and when he had space, you know, some of his throws were not accurate. He made bad decisions. One time he ran out of bounds to take a five-yard sack when he could have just thrown the ball away on the sideline. He had a couple passes that were behind people. And I don't think the receivers are all that open half the time anyway. But start to finish, Daniel Jones had a terrible night, and um, much like the rest of the team. The offensive line, bad all night. Protection was not good. Evan Neal at right tackle was not good. Um, It was a typical Giants-Eagles game that was very easy to see coming. But apparently all the talking heads and all the writers completely missed it. And um, it is something that I say a lot, right? If you listen to this podcast, I talk about recency bias a lot. And it's something that's hard to step away from, right? Because if you're a fan, right, especially over long seasons, you know, the teams have ebbs and flows, right? Um, Generally, the team is, in most sports, the sum of its parts, right? How have you done all season? Certainly, teams change here and there, and they get better and worse and such. But if a team does really good in the last game or two, we tend to remember that and give that more emphasis and credit than what they did two or three or four games ago even though that's still the same team and it's still part of what they did, right? So in this case with the Giants, you know, they did well for the last two or three weeks. And so we didn't think that, you know, that 48 to 22 just drubbing at the Meadowlands in December really meant anything or that all the past, you know, Giants-Eagles history wouldn't come to fruition here. I mean, I don't want to make too much fun of the people, but it's, it's important that we remember history and that you look at a team's full capabilities start to finish and not just what they did the last game or two, because it's easy to do. And I get caught up on it and other people do too, but recency bias is something that makes you think teams are better or worse than they are. If I just saw the last Rutgers basketball game, I would think they suck balls because I'm going to talk about them in a second at Michigan state. They were atrocious, but this is a good team. And this is a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament, for example. So you know, if I had enough recency bias, I wouldn't think that. But I'm trying to step back. And so when I, when I step back and look at the Giants and assess the season overall, which I want to do now for a minute, it was a great season. Uh, by all accounts, it was a fantastic, better than anyone could expected season for the Giants. Now, this last playoff game sucked. All I wanted going to the Seagulls game was not to have happened what happened. I just didn't want to get blown out and look like a joke. And we got blown out and looked like a joke. But it's the Eagles and... It was almost to be expected. Um, I wanted to just be competitive. And if you saw the game before the Giants game, it was the Jaguars against the Chiefs. It was a good game. And the Jaguars are not nearly as good as the Chiefs, but damn, they made it a game. It was competitive throughout, start to finish. And you can see they're an up-and-coming team. So if anyone just saw that game, you'd know that the Jaguars are coming on. They got a good young quarterback, obviously. But if you watch the Giants game, and that's all you've seen, you would not know that because we look like a dumpster fire, right? And I just didn't want to look like that, but it didn't happen, and that's okay. But I'm going to put that to the side because if you watch the Giants for the last five years, you know what an incredible, putrid, terrible team that Gettleman built and what a disaster this team has been every which way, right? So the number of successes and the improvements that the Giants have made in almost every area um, are, are great. And almost to the point of astounding, where it was more than anyone could have possibly expected going into the season. 
Um, we may have found the quarterback, right? Daniel Jones looked really good at the end of the year. Um, I, I guess they're going to bring him back. I would expect nothing less than they're going to bring Daniel Jones back and have confidence in him. He is not nearly as good as all the rest of the quarterbacks in the league, but he's made significant improvements. And outside of these Eagles games, his accuracy has been pretty good over the last half of the year. So if we get some actual goddamn receivers that he can actually hit and go get open and get separation and actually make some plays as opposed to these, you know, scrub, you know, special teams type, you know, practice squad people that we now have a wide receiver, maybe Jones can 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 be a good quarterback. Right. But we need a lot. Right. We need a bunch of receivers. We need a bunch of people all over the defense. Right. And it's going to take a lot more to improve where we are. This division is tough. Philadelphia is very good. Dallas Cowboys are very good. Washington is up and down, but I would expect they're going to improve as well. It is a very tough division, the NFC East. The Giants coming off a four or five win season were just tremendous this year. They, they gave a lot of hope. Dable shows that he is the coach that we need. And we're going to have to see if Shane can build this team and get the right pieces and make the right decisions. And um, we need some linebackers, guys. I'm sorry. I know we need a lot of things, but we don't have any linebackers. I mean, it's just we can't stop the run. I mean, it, it, it's if you can't stop the run, you're going to lose football games. I, and we could not stop the run. We They could run anywhere they wanted all over us yesterday. And so they didn't even have to pass. You don't know, put them in a situation where – you know, Jalen Hurt had to make any plays because we could not stop. It's a success. The Giants season is a success. We finished over 500. We made the playoffs. We won a road playoff game, right? That's something to behold and something that's, you know, not going to get lost um, in this atrocious finish to the season. But as always, right, it was a typical Giants-Eagles game. That, I'm going to tell you, was easy to see coming, even if people couldn't. Um, and it's unfortunate, and it was definitely the first port of part of my trifecta of hurt in the last 48 hours. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and move on to Rutgers. And I'm sorry if this is sounding a little discombobulated today, guys. I normally have a bunch of you know bullet points that I want to talk about today. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. So Rutgers on Thursday night lost a road game to Michigan State. Uh, 70 to 57 or so, and Rutgers looked just brutal. This was the second part of the trifecta of her. Rutgers just looked awful, just terrible. Oh, my God. They had a lead in the beginning, and then it looked like they didn't know how to play basketball. They could not shoot if their life depended on it. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a basketball. It was just pathetic. Unfortunately, Cam Spencer had an off night. And it appears that if Spencer is off, then the rest of the team is off because we don't have a lot of good shooters at all. Um, McConnell is a terrible, awful offensive player. He has these nights where he plays well, makes a good percentage of his shots, but they are one out of 10 games or something. And the other nine out of 10 games, McConnell blows balls on offense. It's a great, it's a good thing that he's just tremendous on defense because he is just, he takes bad shots. Right, he's not centered. He's off balance. He, they break down where they clear out, and sometimes McConnell goes one on one, which should never happen because he's not that kind of player. Um, he had another terrible night. Cliff at center had a really bad night. Did not play well. Missed a lot of shots. And there's one other thing too. I got to say, Andre Hyatt 
cannot make a layup. I swear to God, if his feet were in a fire, he could not make a layup. He sucks balls inside of six feet. I don't know what it is. He seems like he's better as a three-point shooter than he is at making layups. He has no touch around the basket. Andre Hyatt has one of the worst touches around the rim that I've ever seen. He misses everything. I swear to God, he's got to be, I bet you he's like 30% for the year from six feet and in. Like, he's terrible close to the basket. I don't know if he just chokes, he gets intimidated, he can't handle any kind of contact, he gets rejected all the time. Like, he really does not have a feel inside, and it it annoys the shit out of me, and it hurt us for sure on Thursday night. And I'm not going to talk a lot about Rutgers, but just to say that it was really, really an off night. I think Rutgers is having a great year. There's been some great recent news with some tremendous recruits. Uh, this game certainly didn't didn't help that at all, I'll tell you that, because this is like one of those tapes that you just burn, because... We got some good looks. We did. Um, and we could not hit a three-pointer, by the way, if our life depended on it. And I mean, we missed a lot of shots, but three-pointers at one point, I think until there were three seconds left in the game, and I'm not going to count that, we were one for 16 on three-pointers. One for 16. And Michigan State was like 12 for 21 or something. So they hit 12 three-pointers, and we hit one. And you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, how you can possibly pretend that you can win a game when another team hits 11 more three-pointers than you? That's 33 points right there. 11 more three-pointers than you, right? I mean, that's just, you can't win that way. And they had some open looks. Um, They also took some bad shots, but we have plenty of open three-pointers. Spencer missed a lot of them. Okay, he missed some. McConnell, of course, missed some. Uh, Hyatt missed some. Really poor shooting everywhere, particularly from three, and is doomed Rutgers. Again, this is one of those burn the tapes one where there's almost nothing you can take from this other than, you know, when you have an open shot, hit the fucking shot and stop missing. I mean, it's hard to learn. Now, we did make a few defensive blunders as well, but you can chalk this game up to we just could not hit a shot. Um, uh, the one positive that I would take away from Thursday Night at Rutgers is Mawat Mag for a second game in a row, actually played really well. He had an outstanding game against Ohio State and um, helped us win that game. And amongst all the terrible shooting and terrible play Thursday night, Watt Mag actually played pretty well. Did not shoot bad, played very good defense, hit a few free throws. That's the one takeaway, I would say. Um, So again, I think Rutgers is a good team. I think they're probably going to make the NCAA tournament this year. But that is a game that cannot happen. You cannot be shooting that way. So hopefully Rutgers gets its head on straight and and moves on and continues. And that's all I have to say about Rutgers basketball. Now completing the trifecta of hurt over the last 48 hours were the New York Rangers. The Rangers who had been playing pretty well for the most part, very well actually over the last say month, month and a half, uh, lost to the Boston Bruins on Thursday night. And they looked inferior to Boston, who was the best team in hockey by a long shot. The Boston Bruins have a tremendous record, and the Rangers were down 2 nothing almost right away and looked like they didn't know what they were doing. They did get their game together and play a little better at the end, but again, almost like Rutgers can't put the ball in the basket on Thursday, the Rangers can't seem to get pucks by the other team's goalie. They get shots sometimes, but there, there's sort of a, I don't know, Last year was kind of a special year where, where they had some things go in. This year, they're leading the league and hitting the post. They're getting sh- sometimes out shooting the other team, but just 
cannot put the pucks past the goalie. And it's not for some tremendous goaltending on the other team. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it's just not great shots or bad puck luck or both. But there needs to be some changes here. And there's some talk about changing the lines up. For one, Philip Heedle needs to get a chance to play, in my mind, with Panarin. And he should be on that second line center. And Trocek, I don't know, to be off in Saskatchewan somewhere. I do not like Trocek. I don't see why we paid this guy so many years in such a big contract. He seems to suck balls. I don't know what people saw in him, but, you know, I was never a big Strom fan at the end of last year, but he certainly melded well with Panarin. And when he was on the team centering for Panarin, that line went. And let me tell you, year after year, the, the Strom-Panarin line was was money. This year, Trocek's in there. Panarin doesn't look the same. And Trocek just looks like a disaster. He's got like one point in the last eight games or some ridiculous thing. And he's not that good. They talk about his great face-offs and great defense. I don't know. His face-offs have been like 50, 51%. And his defense has been fine. I, I don't know. I, I He's way overrated, Trocek. And I don't like him. And I definitely don't want him with Panarin. We've had more than half a year now to see if he can actually do okay with Panarin. And the answer is no. I want Philip Heedle to be the center for Panarin and whoever else on the other wing Although there's line changes being discussed, what currently may happen for the next game Tuesday night, there's talk of putting Panarin up on the first line with Mika and Kreider, which I don't fucking understand why you would do that. Because Kreider and Panarin are both left wings. So now what? You're going to take your two best left wings on the team and move one of them out of position on the right wing? Neither one is very good on the right wing, by the way. Um it would make more sense to have Kreider over there because he's lefty. Lefty on the right wing can shoot off the pass and do some other things. But bottom line is that you're going to have to move one of your two best left wings to the right wing in order to make this work. And it just seems ridiculous, right? I, there's no fucking reason to do this, and I don't know why Gallant is doing it. If he does it, we haven't seen it yet, but that's what there's talk of. It needs to be Heedle. Heedle needs to be the center for the second line along with um, – Panarin and whoever they want to put as the, the the right winger over there. That's what needs to happen. Um, we need to leave Kako on the on the top line. Kako has been tremendous. The, the Mika Kreider Kako line has been good, and Kako has been tremendous and deserves to stay on the top line because he's played well. And by the way, the power play, which has not been scoring a lot, needs to be shook up as well. Heedle needs some more time, and Kako needs to get on that goddamn power play. We have fucking Trocheck as the bumper in, in the um, power play. And he is not the person that needs to be there. Trocek, in addition to his suckiness on the second line, also sucks balls on the power play. He, he has nothing in my mind. I don't know why he's there. I think Heedle needs to be in that position and, and just keep the rest of them the same if you want, but just put Heedle instead of Trocek. And if you don't want to do that, put fucking Kako on the power play. He's playing well enough. He deserves time. And on the, in any case, take Kako off, take Kako and put him on the power play and sit Trojak down or put him on the second power play unit or something. I don't know what you promise him and his mother and what kind of deal with the devil you made to keep Trojak where he is now, but he cannot be continuing as a second line center and he cannot be on power play one because he's hurting the team. And, you know, it was a game that, you know, in the beginning looked absolutely brutal for the Rangers. They did make it somewhat of a game late. They ended up losing three to one. But that game on Thursday night, you know, just it sort of epitomized that the Rangers have 
far to go to be competitive with the super elite teams in the league like like Boston. And they need to get their shit together. And they probably need a few more pieces at the trade deadline, by the way. Um, and that's it. That was the trifecta of hurt. So you had the Giants looking like dog shit Saturday night, losing by a wide margin to the Eagles, 38-7, to and what was just yet another fucking debacle against the Eagles. You had Rutgers looking like a disaster against Michigan State on Thursday night, just looking brutal and couldn't hit the side of a barn with the basketball. And then you had the Rangers looking, you know, incompetent against the best team in the league, uh, the Bruins, on Thursday night. So the trifecta of hurt is completed. We're hoping for some better times ahead for my teams here. So let's go. Uh, Anyway, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. I want you to please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it, and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.